Good morning. What if I were to tell you that one day as I was just sitting in my home, I had a craving, and that craving was for some corn. And I thought, you know, I'd like to have some corn. And I went out in the backyard of my home expecting to find some corn there, and I was shocked. There was no corn to be found in my backyard. Now, I want you to think if you would hear a story like that, and you would immediately be thinking, well, that's an absurdity. Of course there's no corn in your backyard. But what if I were to tell you on the next day? I had been that whole next day thinking about corn. And I mean, if I wanted corn the day before, that next day I really wanted some corn. And I thought about corn, and I was wanting, and I was salivating over that corn, and I thought about corn all day long. And I got to my home that afternoon excited because I had been thinking and wanting so badly some corn, and I burst into my backyard expecting for some corn to be there, and I was shocked. There was no corn in my backyard. Now, again, you would be hearing that story and thinking, you are a crazy person. Of course there's no corn in your backyard. But what if I told you that next day came, after I had wanted the corn, after I had really wanted corn, I thought, I'm going to pray about that corn. And I spent all night long, all night long on my knees in prayer, asking God, please allow corn to be in my backyard. And I woke up that next morning, and I burst out into my backyard, knowing that I had prayed about it all night, expecting the corn to be there, and shocked that once again, no corn. Now, you hear a story like that, and it's easy for us to hear something like that and and to think, of course there's no corn in your backyard. It didn't make a difference how bad you wanted there to be corn. It didn't make a difference how really bad you wanted there to be corn. And it didn't make a difference that even you prayed to God, who certainly has the power to put corn in my backyard, But the easy answer to all of that is, of course, it doesn't make a difference how bad you wanted it, how really bad you wanted it. If you didn't plant corn in your backyard, there's not going to be any corn in your backyard. Well, I want us for a few minutes this morning to realize that that exact same scenario that we conjure up in our mind and we say is absurdity, We do spiritually in regards to evangelism all the time. Where we stand back and we say, you know what? I want to preach the gospel. I want to teach others. I want my friends and I want my family to hear the gospel. I want them to be converted. I want that. Or we may say, I really want that for my friends, and I really want that for the people that I come in contact with. I just want it so bad. 
Or we may even pray, God, I want that so badly for my friends and for my family. I want that so bad. And then we stop and forget the important part of our responsibility to plant that seed. I want us to think about that for a few minutes today. I want us to think about the responsibility that we have to share that news with people. We had read from 2 Kings chapter 7. We didn't have the time to expand that entire context out. But the people there were in a pretty bad spot. The Syrians had sieged the city, and it was bad. You want to read about how bad, you read the first part of that chapter. You'll get a sense of how bad it was. And you had these four lepers who kind of conferenced with one another. And they said, listen, we're going to dine here for sure. And we can go outside the city where the Syrians are, and maybe we'll die out there as well. But what's the difference? And so they burst outside the city and to find out that God in the night had, had made a noise like chariots and the Syrians thought that there were reinforcements coming and they flee out of there. And they leave so quickly, they leave everything. They leave all of their stuff, all of their tents, all of their treasure, everything. And these lepers get out there and they're like, oh, wait a minute, nobody's here. And then they really come to the realization, this news is so incredible. We have, we are compelled to share it with everyone else. That's got to be our attitude when it comes to the gospel. We should be compelled because the news is so incredible. The blessing so great compelled to share that with everyone that we come in contact with. It is our responsibility. In Matthew chapter 13, in Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8, we we have what is recorded as the parable of the sower. And a lot of you are probably familiar with this parable. If not, we're going to read it together here. And we're going, there are a lot of different directions that we can go in this parable for sure. A lot of different applications to be made about about the sower, about the seed, about the different soils. I mean, there are so many different places that we can go. For us this morning, we're going to stick just to one side and we're going to really hone in on the response responsibility that the sower has to sow and that will be our focus this morning let's read it together Matthew chapter 13 beginning in verse 1 it says on the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and a great multitude were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and he sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore and then he spoke many things to them in parables saying behold A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
Now, I know Jesus, just after this, gives an explanation of what this parable is all about. We're not going to spend the time to read through that, but I really want us to begin to think, not just here, but biblically, how it is that God wants each and every one of us as Christians to feel and to go through with the responsibility to sow seed. Now, there are a couple of things specifically in this text that I think are in, you know, interesting. I want us to be thinking about, listen, we use phrases that come from this text all the time. Listen, when we are talking to someone and we want them to really think about something, what do we say? Let me plant that idea there. Let me plant that in your mind. I mean, we understand this concept, Right? Let me plant that. Let me plant that in your thinking. That that is what we're talking about now spiritually. Let me plant this thought in your mind. And so this parable specifically, and talking about sowing the seed, that seed is God's word. Why, why, in essence, does it work as being described as a seed? Well, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 tells us about God's word is living and powerful. That's what a seed is. A seed has within its tiny little body the power to grow massive plants and trees. So it makes good sense that Jesus would use the seed to represent God's word because it's powerful, because it's mighty, because it's living. But also in this text, the importance of the word here comes to light. Even though we didn't read the entirety of this chapter, 19 different times in this chapter alone, we see the word here. It's a key. It's a key to us as we get the message from God, and it is the key in the way that we communicate that message. I made mention that in Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8, all are occurrences of this parable, the parable of the sower, and it's interesting how each of them end. Mark chapter 13 and verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mark chapter 4, in verse 24, Jesus will end with this idea, idea, take heed to what you hear. And in Luke chapter 8 and verse 18, Jesus will conclude there, take time to heed how you hear. And so you have this full picture of the importance of receiving, communicating is ultimately the key. Jesus wants to communicate, that's why he uses parables. He talks about that right after here. And it is our responsibility to communicate. Think about Jesus himself. Before he left the earth, what did he tell his disciples? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. To who? To everybody. Now, I don't know as it comes to commands or directives from Christ if they come any simpler than that. Go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature, everybody we come in contact with. Our responsibility to sow the seed. And so I want us to think about some ways, some practical ways we can be thinking about that this week. Uh, there are some principles that I want to go through. I probably should have counted them beforehand. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five different things that I I think can be helpful to us as we think about this responsibility of sowing the seed 
as we be considering our own and evaluating our own hearts and minds to make sure we are fulfilling this responsibility to sow the seed. And so the first one is this. The best results come when we sow seed with purpose. It's possible, right? It's possible when, uh, that something can grow when a, a seed just randomly falls down into a place. Uh, that's possible, right? I mean, it's possible that somebody's carrying something or, you know, you're having a watermelon seed spitting contest and you're, you know, you're out in the yard and, and one of those seeds just catches root and grows. It's possible that a seed falls and something springs up. It's possible that someone on their own reading the Bible, it's the power of God's word. It's possible that someone on their own reading the Bible walked into our building, grabbed one of us and said, you know what, I've been reading God's word on my own. I need to be baptized to have my sins washed away. It's possible that something like that could happen. That's the power that God's word has. But for the most part, if we don't sow the seed, there's not going to be any harvest. We've got to then be purposeful in the planting of our seeds. We've got to be purposeful in the way that we talk to others about Christ. We need to be purposeful in looking and finding and taking advantage of opportunities to talk to other people about Jesus. Now, the point is often made by the preacher, and I'm going to make it here, and I'm going to continue to make it as long as I'm preaching because it it, it makes so much sense. But I'm going to continue to remind us that there is something in your life, something, your family, your job, uh, some hobby that you have, some, uh, some like that you have. There is something in your life that you have no problem and no trouble talking to anybody about. There's something. There's something in your life. It, it, maybe it's your family. It's your kids and what they're doing. You, you don't have any trouble talking at, at times even to strangers about your kids. Maybe you're at the grocery store and, and one of them makes a, 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 some stranger makes a comment about uh, a, a hairdo or, hey, your, your kid's got on a soccer uniform on. They've been playing soccer and then suddenly you've had a half hour conversation with them about, you know, Hendricks County soccer that they've been playing in. And all oh, my kids used to play soccer. And suddenly here for a half hour, you've been talking to this person. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But I'm trying to make the point that there's something. There's something all of us have. All of us have something. That we talk to people all the time and would have no trouble talking to people all the time about it. For the Christian, that needs to be Christ. Because it is the one thing that makes a difference in our life. It is the single most important thing going on in whatever circumstance that I find myself in. And so because it's the most important thing going on in my life, in every single circumstance of my life, 
It should be something I can easily talk to other people about. Most certainly when there's an opportunity to. We've got to be praying for those opportunities for sure. But we simply can't afford to miss them. We can't afford to miss them. We studied in our Bible class this morning from Acts chapter 10. So I've been thinking about it a lot this week the story of Peter and Cornelius, and I was struck. I was struck by the beginning of that chapter how it is that Cornelius was prepared separately from Peter, and he was told, listen, go, go, get, this guy, go get this guy Peter. He's going to have some things to tell you. He didn't know what Peter was going to say. And then separately you had God preparing Peter, and he's like, listen, some guys are going to be coming to get you. You're going to, you're going to need to go talk to them. He, he didn't know. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what he was going to talk about. And so here you had this guy, Cornelius. He didn't know why Peter was coming. And you had this guy, Peter. He didn't know what Cornelius needed. And they kind of meet in the middle. And you find out that the reality is you had this guy, Cornelius, who's been praying to God. And now you have this guy, Peter, who God uses to answer that prayer. And I made the point this morning in class, I'm going to make it here. We, we do not know. What, what if there is someone who has been praying to God for an answer about life, an answer about, uh, about salvation, and you're put in their path, and an opportunity to talk about Christ comes up exactly what they have been praying about. And God was like, here, I'm going to use this guy. And he puts you right there in front of them. And the opportunity pops up, and you're like, I'm going to pass. I mean, that sounds terrible. We've got to be sowing the seed with purpose. Purpose is what we need to be doing. Secondly, there's a reality that the more sowers, the more harvest. Listen, the more workers have the potential to get more work done. For us this morning, collectively, there's a bunch of us here, a bunch of us. There's many of us here. There's many hands for many seeds to be sown. It's a concept Jesus understood. You can go backwards in the book of Matthew, just a couple of pages. In Matthew chapter 9, uh, Jesus will make this point himself. In Matthew chapter 9, at the very end of that chapter, in verse 37, he says, then he said this to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his vineyard. You see, Jesus says, listen, there's a lot, lots, lots of opportunities, but the sowers are few. So here we are, collectively. What if individually we're taking advantage of all of our opportunities to sow the seed? But what if collectively we're focused on that? Many hands sow out many seeds. Thirdly, sowing the seed is hard work. That's why I don't have corn in my backyard. Because it's hard. I talked to John, and he tells me about his garden, and he loves that, but all the time he tells me about it, all that I think is, that sounds like hard work. That's all I hear. Every time he says, it was sweaty, and I had weeds, and I have um, chipmunks and you know varmints, and I've got to be out there, and I'm sweaty, and I've got to you know, deal with it, and I'm thinking, 
uh, that sounds hard. I'm going to go to Kroger is what I think. It, right. Or, you know, he's going to bring me something out of his garden. And I'm thinking, that was fun. That was even better, right? It's hard. It's hard work. It's toilsome work. But sowing spiritually is hard work as well. Oftentimes, it is labor that faces difficult obstacles, difficult trials. We've got to understand that going in. So because of that, perseverance is needed. Endurance is needed. One of my favorite chapters in the Old Testament, we we don't get to this part very, very often because the beginning is so incredible. But in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, in Isaiah chapter 6, it is an incredible chapter. A conversation, really, between Isaiah and God. He's there in the throne room. It's an incredible scene that unfolds. It is there with the, you know, the most, the famous part of, you know, who am I going to send? Who's going to get this job done for me? And Isaiah's like, it's me. Here am I. Send me. I'm going to do it. And then right after that, you have there in verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. And a lot of times we stop right there. And the preacher makes his point. But think about what happens right after that. Look at verses 9 and eleven, nine through 11. And he said, that's God, here is, here is the task now. Oh, you, you volunteered, here is the task. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. And Isaiah's like, that's not very good. That doesn't sound great. And so he asks, verse 11, Then I said, Lord, (laughs) how long? How long am I going to have to do that? And he said this, Until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant, the houses are without a man, and the land is utterly desolate. The picture I have right here is, is, is God is telling Isaiah, this is a message I want you to deliver to the people. And Isaiah's like, that's going to be tough. How long, how long do I got to deliver that message? And God basically says, you deliver that message until there is no one else left to deliver it to. If there is still people there, you deliver the message. Are we any different than that? Are we in a different place than that? How long? How long that we sow the seed? How long do I have that responsibility to share Christ with others? How long until there are no people left to talk to about it? Until there are no people left. Sowing the seed is hard work. And so it takes patience. In the garden, for the farmer, results for the most part are not immediate. In James chapter 5 and verse 7, even though James is there talking about something a little bit different than where we are, he makes the analogy with the farmer. 
when he's talking there specifically about the day of the Lord, as we wait patiently for the day of the Lord, he says, you wait for that day just as the farmer waits patiently. When it comes to being receptive to the gospel, we can even go to Matthew chapter 13 and the parable itself that we talked about. Three-fourths of the seeds that were dropped weren't affected. There's a reality that a great majority of people will never obey the gospel. Few, and maybe some that you know, will obey very quickly. But most that obey, it's often a process that takes some time. And because of that, it takes patience. It takes patience. And we've got to continue to sow patiently, moving at a pace that works. Sometimes we, we want things to happen so incredibly quick. Talk to the farmer who sows the seed, cultivates the land, waters, weeds, gets rid of pests and varmints, and then waits, and waits, and waits, and waits. That's the attitude that we have to have, patience. And then finally, we've got to sow with effective methods in the right way as we are working patiently. Many of the situations, you go back to Matthew chapter 13, if there is a lack of harvest, it's the soil that will be to blame. But at the same time, we've got to be open to evaluating our own sowing methods. It makes a difference how the seed goes, where the seed goes the speed with which the seed goes, how deep the seed goes. All of that makes a difference when it comes to planting a garden. And so we have to be mindful of doing, getting the message, communicating the message in the most effective way. And that goes back to being willing to put the work in. You see, when we study a passage like Matthew chapter 13, we, we study a passage like Mark chapter 15, Mark chapter 16, we have these incredible pictures of a responsibility is laid upon us. But I'll ask you this. Shouldn't that be a responsibility we cherish? An opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus? what he's done in your life, the impact that he's had in your world, the impact that it can have in theirs. It's a beautiful thing. And something that we've got to be considering, each and every one of us. Let's close with this idea. Um, Nate, will you give me a songbook? Hand me a songbook. Thanks, sir. Look to song number 643. We're not going to sing this together because I don't know how to lead singing, but we can read it together. It's a song we sing a lot. And I think sometimes we lose sight of how kind of sobering, brutal even this song is. 
It's a song of questions. Every single line is a question. Every single one. Every single line is a question. And, and every time we sing a song like that, we, we've got to be asking ourselves that question. What, because we're singing that out loud, and, and, and it's intended for me to think about that question. They're yes or no, yes or no questions. But they're sobering. The chorus is brutal, even. Difficult, difficult question, the chorus. So I want you to read this song with me, 643, Sowing the Seed of the Kingdom. And we've sang it, you've sang it probably hundreds of times in your life. I don't know how many times I've sang this song. I don't know. I mean, hundreds, lots and lots of times. Let's close with these questions. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the morning? Bright and fair. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the heat of the noonday's glare? Verse 2. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, in the still and solemn night? Now, all parts of the day have been included. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, for a harvest pure and white? Verse 3. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, all along the fertile way? Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother, you must reap at the last great day? The chorus is this. Think about what's said. For the harvest time is coming and the reaper's work will soon be done. Will your sheaves be many? Will you garner any for the gathering at the harvest home? You see, the power in that chorus is that our opportunities, our time for sowing is limited. 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 A time for the seed to take root the harvest to occur, that is a limited time. There is a time coming where it'll be it. And now I'll have to answer for my sowing. And you'll have to answer for yours. Let's think about those things. We're going to sing a song of invitation that Mark is going to lead us in. It gives us an opportunity to be considering those kinds of things, to be considering our, certainly our relationship with God. Well, we've made the point. I've made the point already. My relationship with Christ, our relationship as Christians with Christ, is the single most important and influential relationship in our life. And maybe you're here this morning, and you don't have that relationship. You haven't been buried with him in the waters of baptism, having your sins washed away. We kind of read in the song here, those opportunities are limited but we have an opportunity now. Maybe we can help. Maybe we can help you in some other way. If that's the case, let us know as we stand and sing.